Hello, and welcome to the Nostalgia Podcast. A podcast where we discuss the retelling or continuation of pop culture favorites as seen through a queer and feminist lens. My name is Eric Lefebvre. And my name is Jessica Tresero. And this week, we set sail on the oceans of, of eight 11 and eleven and eight. <laughs> Wait, we went. <laughs> oh yeah, we did the opposite. You, you know what? It's okay. It's cool. Yeah, we did oceans eleven and oceans eight. <laughs> we did. Yeah, the oceans eleven from two thousand one. I did not realize yes. that that was a remake. Uh, it was like a Rat Pack remake, right? Yeah, I had no idea. And when I was looking up stuff for Ocean's Eleven, it was like the 2001 cast of Ocean's Eleven actually thought that the uh, Rat Pack's version was boring and didn't like it and couldn't get through it. Like, they were all like, yeah, no, fuck that. That sucks. Like, both Clooney and Julia Roberts and shit like that. So um, I was like, wait, so why did you decide to make this? Because, like, there was, like, this whole thing about that movie where everybody that was supposed to be in it made this pact. They were like, look, I know that we won't be able to get paid what we're worth for this movie, but it just has to happen. So they all, like, lowered their salary or whatever so they could all be in this one movie. And they were like, the the most important thing is that this movie is made. And I was like, wait, why if you didn't even like the fucking movie? Like, I don't understand. (laughs) If you didn't like it in the first place, why'd you remake it? That seems like, I, yeah, I'll read about that. That seems so, like, that seems a little high and mighty. Seems a little... Low high mean, everybody in this supply. cast like, is kind of we, high and mighty, so. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Like, we have to be the ones to retell this iconic story. And you're like, well. And it's weird, too, because, like, there's at least three cast members that, like, turned this down to go. Three of them did, like, the Royal Tenenbaums. And then <gasps> Mark Wahlberg was supposed to be in it. And he he had a bunch of shit to say. Like, he still talks shit on this movie. Pretty he can tight, talk shit until the day he dies. He sucks. I hate Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. <laughs> but he's yeah, such, he was just like, uh, he was like, well, see, I went like, and instead of doing that one movie, I did two shitty movies. This movie sucked. Okay. But like, I did two movies and they both sucked too. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like, all right. Jesus. They're like, yeah. I don't usually have visceral, like generalized hate towards people, but he is an actual piece of shit. He is a racist, abusive garbage can. I just, I can't, like, Mark Wahlberg can go fuck himself. I hate him so much. I am saying that canon on the pod. Obviously, this isn't a hot take. This isn't like a, what? Because, I mean, I feel like a lot of people will agree that he is a hot can full of shit. Um, I really hate him. (laughs) I hate him so much. So you're very glad that he wasn't in this movie. I'm so so happy he wasn't in this movie. Because, and this is going to be great because I liked it and you didn't. This is a very, Ocean's Eleven is a very forgettable movie to me. It's a throwaway movie and it's just like, oh, cool, like a a heist movie. All right, fine. Like, I I like heist movies, like the plans and all the things. But to me, like, I don't know. I loved, loved Ocean's Eight. I feel like this movie was just kind of like everybody getting themselves off on how cool they are and like i guess also throughout the whole throughout the filming of this too like they all stayed at the bellagio and they all like every fucking night was exactly what you think it would be with this group of people in vegas for like a month straight Um, oh my god yeah (laughs) see to me you say you say forgettable for me i'm like 
It was. Do not get me wrong. It was a forgettable movie. But in the way that I know that heist movies as a genre are supposed to be like high stakes, switcheroos, plot twist, and another plot twist. Like it's supposed to be like big bang, boom, like look over here. Now look over here. Boom, boom, boom. But to me, like even with that, they're kind of so formulaic in the expectation of like we're going to be double crossed 17 times in this film. To me, that's what makes it forgettable is like the fact that it's so but that's to, to me, that's generalized heist movies like like in the same way that we were talking earlier, National Treasure <laughs> is kind of forgettable and bad, but it's so silly and expected where it's just like I'm not looking at this to be like this pivotal moment of like cinematic artistic vision it is just a silly movie about them wanting to steal money from a casino and i'm like yes this is bad and then oh my god i we have a lot to say about the first one i know and i'm really excited to talk about it (laughs) me too yeah this is gonna be great so i hadn't seen i'd seen oceans 11 before and it had been like a fucking long time since i've seen it but i had not seen oceans 8 and i'd been wanting to because it's of course it's like the girl reboot or whatever, but like this is actually set in the same universe. And yeah. um, I feel like this kind of got the same hate that everything else gets, right? Because it's like everybody hated Ghostbusters, but the reboot was fucking great. And then like, I feel like people just hated on this because it's like, oh, well, now they're going to do with girls. So, but it, I, I yeah, would yeah, argue th- that the, it was a smarter, it was a better written movie, like dialogue wise. I would argue the opposite and we'll get into that later. Not okay. okay. I'm going to, I'm going to preface because I saw it in theaters. Eric and I were really excited to see this movie because it just, I mean, it looked great. Saw it in theaters, loved it. Saw it at home later, loved it. Watching it after Ocean's Eleven, I liked it less. I don't dislike it. I still love it. I think it's a great movie. I have so much fun with it every time I watch it, but. It's so bizarre to me that watching Ocean's Eleven made me like it less. And I want to get into that when we talk about it. I don't want to. Yeah, I, I want to get into it when we talk about it because I don't want to like unpack it. I think it's the opposite it. for me. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, okay. I think cool. I liked this it more be because I hated Ocean or I didn't I didn't hate, oh. but I was just kind of like, whatever, Ocean's. <laughs> no, I, I, I am excited. This is going to be very fun. Let's do this. Let's do it. Okay. After getting released from prison, cool guy Danny Ocean heads to Las Vegas with a plan to steal an enormous amount of money from the casino tycoon Terry Benedict. He meets up with his friend Rusty, and together they assemble the best of the best in fraudulence and thievery. But wait, is it really just an elaborate plan to get his wife Tess back because it turns out she's dating Mr. Benedict? Maybe. They train. They steal a science thing. They blow the fake vault up. They blow the real vault up. Someone has a heart attack. Is that the SWAT team? No, it's Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's Eleven. Boom. (laughs) So, like we said in the intro, I loved it. You were lukewarm on it. Let's start at the beginning. That terrible slice of life setting this story in the real world with some B-list celebrities at a poker game. Did you know that though, like the people at the poker match behind the bar that he's teaching them how to play, they're like real life celebrities of the time? Oh, I thought we were going to get into the beginning, beginning where it's just him being a privileged white asshole that is able to get out of like smooth talk his way out of prison. Oh yeah. Oh okay. Cool. That's, <laughs> I'm good with that too. Yes. Um, he 
I mean, but that's the whole point of like the the like the fraudulence and the like smooth like he can kind of he can wiggle his way in anything and get out of it just the same, right? Like this is more of a big conversation about like incarceration and for-profit prisons and that whole mm-hmm. idea and how if you look a certain way you can get off on good behavior or whatever whereas that same benefit's not afforded to black folks or brown folks or any folks of color generally right so yes absolutely but to me in this moment in this movie i i feel like it's important to have that conversation of privilege but this felt more i mean obviously it's illustrating the fact that he's slick he's sly he's He's like bad, but they're trying to make him like a hero. So he's like, he's so bad. He's good. Like, look how good he just did. Like, you know what I mean? It's that it's that whole like, I mean, sure. But he's like an arrogant asshole. Right. And he super gets off on that. And like, he's rewarded for being kind of a shit to the people interviewing him before he's like about to get out or whatever. And if that was anybody but a white dude, I feel like that would not have happened. So I know that it's like to develop his character. But, like, by doing that, that's just showing, like, such a wild amount of privilege. And I know that, like, this whole thing, like, hinges on the stupidity, like, like white privilege, yes, but also, like, the, like, they take advantage of so many stupid white people that, like, Brad Pitt is able to, like, pose as a cop and be like, oh, yeah, I got him, I got him, I'm gonna take him, right? And so yeah. it's like, I get it, but, like, that was something that watching this, I could not, because they're all just, like, so fucking arrogant so but that i i couldn't not think about it yes i could not agree with you more as far as like there is not really anybody in this crew who i really like very much apart from yen because he's just there like i'm happy for him he's gonna get in get out get his money cute we love but to me going into it i'm like generally everybody here in this motley crew of folks is for one reason or another, bad or shitty or not great, right? Mm-hmm. There's a part of me that's also just kind of like, yes, yeah, steal from the rich, take their money. I love it. But I'm also like, all of these people are also wealthy white people for the most part. Right. <laughs> so I'm also like, <laughs> well, okay, sure, steal from the rich, but also like, aren't you guys already rich? Like, what are we doing? You just want to get more rich? Cool. So you're Jeff Bezos. We got it. Go well, fuck but then, yourself. Like the whole movie is based on revenge because a woman left him, yes. right? So well, like she left that's him like because he the went other to thing. Jail. So it's a bunch of shitty white dudes, and then like the whole like motivation is because a girl hurt me. Yeah, Man. and, that's and I'm the- like, all right, whatever. <laughs> so to me too. Also, I I feel the same way. I think going into it, like I was saying about heist movies in general, my stakes for heist movies is so low. I like I don't go in with any like expectations. I'm like, this is going to be a weird little roller coaster. I'm closing my eyes and I'm opening it when we're at the top of the hill. Take me there. I don't like, you know what I mean? So in, in this moment, I'm, I don't know. Danny Ocean's trash. Like there's no getting around the fact that he's a bad person who manipulates the people around him to get the things that he wants in an incredibly selfish way, right? Like everybody on this heist team, he's putting their lives in jeopardy because he wants to get back his ex-wife who left him because he was a bad partner, but also he got put in prison and she was just like, I don't, what do you expect me to do? Like you've been gone for how many years? I'm, I'm not going to just sit and wait. You disappeared. What do you want from me? Mm-hmm. But he's like, you should just take me back. So he puts all th- their whole plan in jeopardy because of this. 
and then still well, has the whole the, plan is based on on her yes the plan wouldn't but, exist without her so yes, like but their knowledge of it is non-existent and then when it gets brought to them they're like either you're out or we're scrapping the whole plan because you but that was part of the plan exactly and that's see and that to <laughs> me i'm like cool i'm happy he's an asshole so then there's this tension so later when it's like jk part of the plan i'm like oh you got me you guys got me oh i had no idea <laughs> so i'm just like here for that but at the same time even that plan, like the moment when he's like big air quotes getting beat up uh, and then comes out and then they they call Julia Roberts, uh, Tess, they call her room after the fight and all that stuff. Um, they're like, turn on your TV or whatever. And she does. And it's a security camera footage of him asking her current husband, if I find out how to get your money back, um, what's more important, Tess or money? And he's like instantly like money. And then that's it. Like, so to me, it's still performative manipulation to try to sway somebody. And that's still garbage. So this big, like, look, he's a, he's a good guy. He's just like, this guy doesn't love you. Like I love you. No, this is not. Yeah. 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 Maps. How dare you? <laughs> that's not what we're doing here. You're still a bad guy. This is all performative showmanship to try to woo somebody, but it's still manipulation. You're still manipulating the situation to make it look like something that it's not. You asshole. <laughs> Just because you're making the other bad person look bad doesn't mean that you're good. You're both bad. Like, right. You both exist well, as badness. I'm- and I didn't like that she felt like she was just like, oh, I'm going to run to him now. I'm like, that's out of character. I super hated that. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, I saved my wedding ring. And I know you're in prison, but I'm just going to wait this time. Like, uh, because to me, it felt like, I don't know, like with with her going back to him at the end, it felt very gross. It felt like she was just following wealth. Right. Like, because yeah. now Tony has no money. And so now this guy like pulled it off and like, oh, he's clever and he has all the money. Sure. I'll wait this time. And then she like ends up like she told him that she sold the wedding ring, but like she actually like still had it. And like, I, I hated everything about her character. And also, so this whole movie is about getting her back. And she's basically the only woman that we see in the movie aside from a couple of strippers. Yeah. that are on screen for 0.5 seconds, right? Yeah. Or our background decoration. And we don't see uh, an actual woman character until 45 fucking minutes into the movie. Julia Roberts yeah. enters in 45 fucking minutes into the movie. And then we see her, like, and she's like an art curator for like a second. And then when George Clooney starts to talk to her about like her work, he's like, oh, well, didn't this guy kill himself or whatever? And so he's talking about the person and not the art and, like, further talking down to her and just, like, belittling her and her career and her life choices and all this stuff. And I'm just like, why the fuck? Why do you like him? Why does he like her? He likes her because she left. But, like, I don't understand. I I just, I don't get it because we don't know anything else about Tess other than she's a woman. I mean, less so a woman, more so just an object. (laughs) Like she's not even, I feel like in the narrative of this, she's not even seen as a person. She's really just seen as, cause like, what was it? Um, Brad Pitt or was it Matt Damon? One of the, one of the white nineties guys. She's like, (laughs) they're talking about how Tess showed up and he's like, how'd she look? And then he says, she looked good. And George Clooney's Mm -hmm. response is thanks. Like, thanks for what? 
Why? Thank doesn't you. Doesn't want to know anything What's about, about her. Just like, oh, how'd she look? Yeah. Um, but but also that, like thanks. What do you mean th- thanks? Oh, that's right because you own her. I forgot. She's your property, and your property looks good. So thank you for mm-hmm. saying my property looks good. You know what I mean? Like, and it's supposed to be like a like a fun boys <laughs> hot girl, but it's really like no. This is a really like big air quotes fun way to explain that men think they own and control women. Right, and it was like. If you think about the other women that we had, so she was obviously a shell of a woman, even though she's like the main person in all of this, right? But then yeah. like we talked to uh, like the stripper that helps, that gets the key card for Rusty. And oh, he's yeah. like, hey, say hi to your mom. And like her whole line is, oh, you could say hi to her yourself. She's on in 30 minutes or something, yeah. right? And I'm like, cool. So like this isn't even like a cool like empowering moment or anything. This is just kind of like, women are objects and women are are tools or like you know we only kind of see their bodies like in the background in these like provocative ways and i'm just like okay and then like you're saying like fucking clooney like putting his hand on her shoulder and like imposing himself on her physically and i'm just like i don't understand like he and he just like is just so manipulative with him trying to he's like you're my wife. And she's like, ex-wife. And he's like, wife, whatever. Like, he keeps calling her his wife. So he's like gaslighting her in this way. And then oh, like, yeah. anytime she tries to like build herself up, she's like, you, your problem is you know too many people like you. He's like, uh, yeah, but your guy now doesn't make you laugh. And she's like, okay, but he doesn't make me cry. And he's like, yeah, but, um, he doesn't make you laugh. And look, I had to leave because I went to jail and your new dude sucks. And she's like, what the fuck? Like, but yeah, just like this whole thing is just a huge elaborate thing to like literally, literally be like, look, I'm the better guy. Yeah. See, see, I'm the better guy. See, and this is like this. I mean, this shouldn't be a part of the podcast, but because I liked the first one so much, I know we're like talking a ton of shit about it, but like I did love it. And because of that, I am watching Oceans 12 and 13 this week. <laughs> like I have set <laughs> si- I've set time aside to make that happen for me in my life because I'm really excited. Because from what I understand, Julia Roberts also plays a bigger part. I don't think in the next one, but in Oceans 13, she's like... She's wait, in Oceans 12. Maybe it's Oceans 12 like, where oh. she plays a bigger part. In my research, it was like Julia Roberts was like pissed off because her outfits weren't as cool as Catherine Zeta Jones and then like there was also like Jones they were yeah and they were supposed to both of those women were originally supposed to be in 13 but then they were like you know what there's just too much we gotta cut them so there's no fucking women in 13 right because like they they were like you know what we couldn't do them any justice with like characters and stuff and I was like yeah but you have 11 fucking people like and like I I don't know I haven't seen it in a long time but i like reading that i was just like (sighs) so going going back to oceans 11 with the way that they treat like obviously women are objects but like also if we're looking at the way like who are the non-white non-male folks in this it's yen it's um Oi, bruv, what's his name? Fuck. Um, I do want to get into his accent in a little bit, but (laughs) his accent was so bad. Okay. Um, It was bad, and he knew it. Oi, bruv, crikey. (laughs) Like, oh my God, go away. (laughs) And then he's just like, crikey, you should turn left here. Oh, and you're like, what is happening? I don't 
know what is happening. <laughs> okay, um, Don Cheadle. Thank you, Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle, yeah. So Don Cheadle is in the background the whole time. He's like never in the casino. He's always at the van. They only need him to get the big machine science bomb that'll cut the power. And he, that's his only role, essentially. And then to drive the getaway car that's like, he's the tech guy, but he's also tech guy in the background who that's all he does for the most part. Mm-hmm. And at that point, they have two of them. There's the other guy who broke in and got the computer stuff and like left his little computer calculator thing. Um, sweaty. And there's the car dealer. And there's the car dealer. Yeah. So him being mm-hmm. there, it's really like, it doesn't really make any sense in the way that he's there. I'm like, this is kind of gross and silly. But then Yen, the character Yen, when they go to find him or recruit him, rather, they make that joke, big air quotes joke, about how he's a part of this uh, Chinese acrobat team and they're at the show watching it happen. And he's like, which one's Yen? And he's like, he's the little Chinese guy. And then they both look at each yeah. other as if to imply that all Chinese people look the same or rather all Asian people look the same because let's face it, Western society does not delineate between Asian countries. That's just not a thing that arrogant pieces of shit do or care to learn or do. Um, and so that to me, I was, I was just like, like, this makes no sense. Like, I mean, I get it. You guys are scummy, but then it's like that bad moment of like racism. But then like two scenes later when they're at the house having this meeting, the same guy who made the joke about all Asian people looking the same when Yen speaks up and uh, says, what are we going to do to get out? We're just going to dig a tunnel. He's speaking Chinese and Brad Pitt immediately responds with, no, we're actually going to just walk out the front door. So he understood it perfectly. He is fluent in the language. Why in this moment are we breezing, like breezing right past it? We're not using racism as a crutch for humor because shut up. That's dumb or that's silly. But in this other scene, we're like so on board for it. It makes no sense. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no. It, It really doesn't because like, if you think about it, like, so like you said, in that moment, like, they don't subtitle that moment, which I thought was really cool. I was like, oh, cool. Like, and I, I really do like it when like we don't get those subtitles, right? And I'm like, oh, cool. Like they're kind of building him like, okay, cool. That's like, and then later on, because Brad Pitt isn't there when he speaks, you know, he's trying to say something and everybody's like, huh? Then it's a comedic yeah. beat again at his expense. Yeah. And so they chose to give him that moment and then take it away (laughs) yeah but that and that's that's what's so weird to me because like are you establishing brad pitt as a good guy but like he's also racist but he's also like cultured and like what because like because they're obviously outliering brad pitt as the one who understands yen so in this moment later when they're like we don't get what he says let's move past it because he's not a person um brad pitt's not there to like jump in or translate or Mm what it's just that you're going from bad to cool to bad of the same kind of like tropish stereotypical humor and i just don't understand the need or the like if we're just looking at it from a purely textual perspective like from a story perspective that makes no sense either you're establishing these people as bad racists or like and i get we all contain multitudes oh what's up multitudiverse (laughs) um i get we all contain multitudes however it just doesn't really make sense like I thought that the scene of Brad Pitt saying that is like, cool, we've moved past racism to get to our goal. Like, let's do this. But then they go right back to it. I'm like, this is this is foolish. This is very silly. 
Yeah, the writing was a bit sloppy for all that stuff. Like, they spent so much time thinking about how they were going to do the heist, which, okay, last note about women in this whole thing. But rather than just filling the the empty money bags with, like, I don't know, anything else, paper or newspaper, they fill it with those ads for, for women. For uh, sex workers, at, yeah. Like, for sex workers, yeah. So it's just like, oh, ha, 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 ha. Like, I, I like, okay, cool, whatever. It's Vegas. I get it. But, like, also, with their treatment of sex workers in this, it really bugged the fuck out of me. Oh, for sure. See, to me, that, I guess I didn't really see the paper as, like, a representation of women. Because, I mean, already, they're not treating women like people. They're treating them like objects in this movie. They don't matter. We've established that in this world, in this narrative, women don't really matter. So for me, seeing these sort of like ads, these like handbills for sex work, I didn't really see that as like another way that they're treating women poorly, only because of how littered the streets of Vegas are with those. Like, I mean, I think that I was a kid the first time I went to Vegas. But one thing I distinctly remember that first time, which was in like 2004, maybe 2003, was looking down on the ground. I could almost hardly see the sidewalk because that's all that's mm-hmm. on the ground. So to me, that was more of just like set dressing for the idea of Vegas. But to your point about its treatment of women, yeah, that's just another way to be like, let's subtextually kill women. Yeah, but the point being that women, sex workers are interchangeable with money, an object, whatever. But yeah, so... That's literally all I have to say about women in this movie. So now we can talk about all the other stuff. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. Because there is some really cool stuff. But that was just, I think I had just such a hard time getting past any of that in this that I was just kind of like, all right. Like, Like, great. Cool. No, and I, (laughs) I absolutely get it. I think being a cis male person, there's a lot that like, especially because I don't experience I, I, I've never experienced what it's like to be female or female presenting in this world. So for me, like as a male viewer, I'm kind of watching it. And obviously, like the more critical I am of film and the more times we do this podcast, I'm like, oh, that's actually really bad. And that's gross. If I would have saw this like five years ago, I'd have been like, this is the best movie ever. They, whatever. <laughs> and then it's like, it's just I would have done this so stereotypical like male thing. Like, what do you mean? Julia Roberts is in it. She's great. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like so uncritical, so like so silly, so silly. It obviously <laughs> treats women terribly, but like story-wise, heist-wise, double cross, double cross, double cross wise, I absolutely loved it. Oh, I okay. Going back to the first scene with the poker, it's, it's not the first scene. You are absolutely right. Um, it's the first <laughs> thing I remembered, though. I don't know why. Those big air quote stars how funny was that like what a weird little time capsule of fame at the turn of the millennia right like (laughs) Topher Grace which cool um also Shane West from A Walk to Remember (laughs) oh shit I forgot about (laughs) do you remember him (laughs) okay so I I wanted to bring this up because what an absolute like goofy thing. Do you remember when he played Darby Crash in that movie about the germs, What We Do Is Secret? Do you remember this? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. He did a movie called What We Do Is Secret about the germs. It was a biopic about Darby Crash. Was not very okay. good. But in a publicity stunt for the movie that year on Warped Tour, I think it was like 2007, 2008, um, they had like the 
old school stage, whatever that was, where they had like Agent Orange and the Dickies and like, wow, like so always there. Yeah, right. <laughs> that year, that year, the Germs played, and by that I mean everybody from the Germs played except Darby because he's dead, and Shane West performed as Darby Crash. And played him. It wasn't like, and Shane West is the new singer. It was Shane West acting as Darby Crash while the germs play the germ songs in the background. So he's like climbing on you like, like, ah. It wasn't like Sublime with Rome. It was the germ. It was like Sublime came back and they didn't even talk about the. (laughs) And it was somebody dressed up like Bradley Knoll, I think is his name. Somebody dressed up like him. It was the mo- the <laughs> strangest experience because I remember me and my friends were like, isn't that Shane West from A Walk to Remember? And he's just like has his shirt off, like pretending to cut himself with glass being like, ow, ow, ow. and I'm just like, I don't like this. I don't like this. He was so- determined not to get typecast. He was like, I, what is the uh, wildest thing that I can do right now? I'm so glad that you were there for that. Like, oh so I could live I could vicariously live through you because I would not have wanted to see that. (laughs) It was one of the strangest times. My friend, because like, I mean, we like the germs. We were big fans. And so like being like, oh, how are they going to do this? And then realizing who it was, who was friend. Because of like, we assumed that they would get another singer and it would just be them with a new singer. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it was a performance and just kind of like a PR for the film because it was, it came out the same year. Bad. Anyways, we're talking about a different thing. Shane West, everybody. <laughs> he was in the poker scene and it was very strange. Um, yeah, that was whatever. Um, I really love the double cross switch em ups. I think I love whenever I'm just like, and again, not being not trying to like find out where the twist is going to happen. I was just so here for like, when he called the cops and he's like, I don't want your emergency. And it's like, oh no, he's not playing by the rules. He called the cops. The money's going to blow up. <laughs> what? But then later they're like, they redirect his call. And it's like, what's his name being like 911? What's your emergency? Like they were the cops the whole time. And then it's like, that's a recorded video clip. That's not tonight. He's like, they set up a stage. Boom, boom, boom. And then they're already in the SWAT car on the way out. And it's just like, here they go. And then everyone else is like at the fake car, self-driving car with all the fake money. <laughs> I was just like, yes. And then also, when we see earlier that there's like a pine, fr- I'm okay. This is something, and I'm just rambling. I don't know if I've had too much caffeine. Maybe I have. <laughs> Who knows? Whatever. It's August. Um, there's like the whole, and I'm sure they like. I didn't go to NYU, so I don't know about film school, everybody. But there's like a clip where um they do like a little rack focus of like in the background they're like getting the van ready in their like headquarters, whatever it focuses to a little uh, pine tree in the foreground. It's like center frame for a brief moment. And I'm like, I wonder when that's going to come back in. And then later when they're getting in the SWAT car and it's their SWAT car, it's the pine freshener from the SWAT car. I bet they taught that in film school. Cowards. I'm sure they did. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That was, that was one of those dumb moments where I was like, that was cute. I mean, it was very like, whatever, very silly, very singular, very like, that but was it effective for me as a viewer yes i was a sucker for that little moment of filmmaking or whatever i don't know <laughs> this is so were silly. you also that way when he showed up to the casino in the same outfit that he got out of prison in 
Oh, yeah. See, that to me, like, that is more of, like, a character choice, and I don't like him, so I'm kind of like, oh, you, you schmo, like, you jerk. Like, really? You're going to put on the, your jail tux to go win your ex-wife? Like, uh, <laughs> go to, go to sleep. Like, that to me, I don't like him. So, like, to me, anything he does in the movie, I'm kind of just like, eh, whatever. But then when the heist gets pulled off, I'm like, yes, teamwork. Even though I don't really like all of, most of you. Uh, teamwork. We love a good, we love when a plan comes together. Is that Pirates of the Caribbean? Jesus. I don't know what I'm quoting anymore. <laughs> we love it when a good plan comes together. It was in a trailer of something. We love it when a good plan comes together. What is that? I don't remember. I feel I like know. that's been said like 84,000 times. So you probably. could probably just pick a movie and you'd be right. Every major, major uh, studio film uh, screenwriter is just like, oh, here's my arsenal of things I can say. Um <laughs> I will fully say, though, I think I love heist movies. Like, just as a genre, I think I absolutely love heist movies. Like, it could be bad. It can be really bad. And you'll still have me. Like, as a viewer, I will absolutely eat up whatever silly, silly twist and turn you throw at me in a heist movie. I... (laughs) I'm so glad that you feel that way. I'm not that way, but I think I might be that way. Like, I know there are certain genres. I like the only one that comes to mind, and I'm not even sure if it's true, is um, Knives Out because I just watched it finally. (gasps) And I like that whole time I was like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, yeah, it was there. And like, I grew up on like murder mysteries with like my grandma and stuff. So um, that movie was fucking amazing if you haven't seen it. But yeah, I'm a sucker. I think I'm, I think. I don't know. Maybe I need to watch more whodunits. I'm I'm definitely a sucker for sci-fi, but I might also be a sucker for whodunits. One of the things that I did think was charming about this is that everybody fucks up at one point or another. Like, and even the the big night, like everybody has something go wrong, right? Yeah. But because they all kind of fail in these small ways, like they all kind of work out because they're all just like that half step behind. Um, yeah. I like that, like they all, you know, uh, there wasn't really a lot of room for character depth aside from Danny Ocean, who's just like a monster. Um, but like, <laughs> I thought it was, it was okay. Like it was, it was just charming that they all kind of failed and sucked at like one point or another. I might have liked this better if I was drinking. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like if you were a little inebriated, you're like, oh, dang, like this is sick. Yeah. I get that. I think, yeah, you're totally right. If you turn your brain down a couple notches and watch this, it's like, oh, it's great. Like, it's just, just let this plot wash over you without much, like, critique. It's good. So, like, I tried to do a little bit of both when watching it, which may be why, I don't know. I just like heists. I love heist movies. Love it. <laughs> like, um, I guess I hadn't really thought of structurally the fact that each one of them in a very particular way messes up but that mistake kind of just adds to the succession of the plan it adds to like them achieving their goal Mm -hmm. like matt damon having the talk out on the floor and him being like we need to go back and like the whole bernie mac scene which i also want to get into you're talking about using sort of assumptive social pretext as a means for so much more eloquent than i am (laughs) you are so (laughs) much more eloquent i'm like they're ridiculous and you're just like (laughs) Well, <laughs> but but like but like in the scene with the casino owner in the room with Bernie Mac and Matt Damon, they're they're using the assumption that this white person is going to be racist to their advantage to have the moment of like fake fight, fake aggression, 
boom, grab the whatever out of his coat because he's like the pickpocket, which is great because mm-hmm. they do this in the next one in a way that I think is really interesting and I like more so than the way they did it in this one. I mean, we'll obviously get into it, but they do a lot of that sort of social assumption deception stuff where it's like, you expect this to be the case. We're going to use that to our advantage to get what we want and maybe play into certain tropes that we wouldn't have necessarily exhibited, but we're going to for the sake of a plan to kind of perform these things in front of you to deceive you, which I love. I love. I love it. Yeah. And I I think we'll get into it. I mean, we obviously will, but I think in this, it was just kind of a blanket like here it is, but I think the Ocean's 8 was more intentional with who was being taken advantage of and what they represented and which part of society or femininity that they were excluded or like, you know, the gatekeepers of. So we'll get into that. So I, I think that those are very intentional choices in Ocean's Agreed. 8. Yeah. Yeah. So also, like, one of the things that I was also a little bit confused by is everybody's saying that Tony Bennett is a bad guy, but we don't ever see him do anything bad. In fact, we see him taking care of his girlfriend or, like, talking to her, like, oh, well, you know, like, we can't kiss right now because we're on camera. So, like, yeah, that's super smart. You shouldn't, like, you know, like, kiss your employees in front of everybody or the cameras or whatever, right? But, like, the only thing we see him do is, like, maybe threaten people once in a while but like most of the time we see him he's just like danny ocean you know or like yeah you know just just kind of existing or reassuring his customer like this is a movie where we're shown or we're we're not shown what he does we're like maybe like oh well he has some questionable dealings because he's gonna let this dude put this thing in this vault but like for the most part, it's everybody else being like, oh, that guy? I fucking hate that guy. Let's steal from him. Or like, yeah. that guy, blah, blah, blah. He did this to this. He does this to everybody's family. He does this to... And like, I didn't really buy him as that kind of bad guy because we never... We never... He didn't seem very menacing to me. He just seemed more annoyed. Like, Ugh. Like, well, he seemed the, like the, he would just be like, really? Really? Yeah. Oh, and, and the annoyance is expected. I, I, I mean, I assume like... I'd be a little like, hey, what's going on? Like, everybody. Yeah, they, there's a lot of nuance. Well, not even nuance. There's just a lot of exposition around talking about his character, but there's never actually any sort of exhibition of that. Like, we as a viewer don't see these bad things about him. Like, he's rigid. Like, don't get on his bad side. He'll do something bad. And we're like, show us the bad thing. And it's like, nope, we're going to tell you. Like, but what bad thing is he doing? Well, he's very strong and powerful. Okay, great. We see that. What? So he's bad? Is that why George Clooney's here? Yeah, he's really bad. What did he do? Well, he's bad. And you're like, uh, okay. I get, I, okay. <laughs> I guess, I guess he's bad. He's a bad guy. So root, root, George Clooney, let's go. <laughs> he just, <laughs> you know? yeah, he just, he just kind of seemed like he was there. Like he just like had like a, a little bit of a, mean pouty face sometimes and that's kind of his whole character and it's not like you just like look up and you're like oh this guy is gonna fuck me up and my whole family (laughs) for like being a fly on the wall over here like it yeah it wasn't anything like that so i was like it was just like he's a bad guy okay she's she's his ex-wife okay yeah (laughs) there's a lot of just like kind of let's just let's say that you know i will fully say i'm not trying to get around the fact that like fuck him eat the rich like completely like he's oh yeah a thousand percent like 
You know what I mean? But at the same time, they're not really showing us any bad thing. They're just telling us he's bad. So it's very much just like, I guess we got to believe Ocean because for whatever reason. (laughs) It is kind of funny that like there is the line in this movie about like, don't worry, rich people have insurance. They'll get it back. It's okay. And then one of the main characters in Ocean's 8 is an insurance agent. I'm I'm very excited (laughs) about I like that. I, as they did much all these as little I, subtle tie-ins yeah. that were were just like so beautiful. Oh, totally. Yeah. I I am cool. I really I am excited to talk about Ocean's Eight now. Now that we talked about, can those. we talk about it now? Let's do it. Yeah. I'm done. Okay. After getting released from prison, cool gal Denise Ocean heads to New York with a plan to steal the Toussaint necklace from the Met Gala. She meets up with her partner Lou, and together they assemble the best of the best women in fraudulence and thievery. But wait, is this really just an elaborate plan to get back at her ex, Claude Becker, that conned her and got her throat in jail? Or is he just the fall guy? I don't know. They prepare, they steal the thing, they chop up the thing, then they look good, and they get paid. But wait, there's an insurance detective and Claude goes to jail, Daphne Kluger was in on it, and you thought this movie was about one necklace, there's a whole fridge full. How many, you ask? At least eight, because it's Ocean's Eight. It's Ocean's Eight! eight. It's Ocean's Eight! Eight of them! I don't know if there were actually eight (laughs) necklaces, but it worked with our little intro, so... There's going to be eight that there necklaces. were at least eight of them. At least eight. Right? Okay. And yes. so that's, we were still technically correct. <laughs> we were still technically correct. That is true. I love this movie. I had so much fun with this movie. Um, that's all I have to say. <laughs> see, so see, seeing it in it's theaters, not, but- when we first saw it in theaters, Eric and I went together. I feel like I say this all the time. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, I don't know how many people who listen to this know us, but I've said it before. My boyfriend's name is also Eric. So I'm not, I feel like sometimes when I say that, it's like me talking in the third person, like, oh yeah, Eric and I went. You took yourself on a date? Yeah, Yeah, no, it's like my boyfriend and I, Eric, went to the movies together. But I thought it was great. I really enjoyed it seeing it in the theaters and then again, subsequently seeing it at home. And I am more critical now having seen it the third time. But generally, I still like it. I still think it's a cool movie. I still think it's a good movie. Also, Rihanna is the best part <laughs> of this movie. <laughs> Her fucking she, mouse with a nine ball yeah. was so good. <laughs> she's she Rihanna is was great. The coolest. She's also like there's there are certain levels of like believability and character work. I do want to get to Aquafina before I get to Rihanna, only in the fact that there are some moments of Aquafina's character that is just purely performative blackness that I feel like I didn't really enjoy. Um, I'm not sure about that because that is just kind of who Aquafina is. She did the, grow up in like Queens and all this other yeah, stuff. So I think the, yeah. yeah. I don't know. See, that's the thing is like it's it's a little bit tricky. And I I'm I'm saying I think generally Aquafina herself, there's a level of performativeness because she's also in like hip hop in the hip hop world and stuff like that too. So then how much of that is hip hop culture and how much of that is Yeah, because that's not to say that hip hop is exclusively black, but there's I mean there's a level of inauthenticity to the way that she performs that is a little bit off-putting. But apart from that, it's I th- I think Aquafina is cool, but seeing her perform in this movie and then seeing Rihanna respond like Rihanna's acting kind of ran circles around Aquafina in a way that really highlighted to me 
just another level. Like I feel like with Aquafina, it's it, it is more of a stylized cartoonish character um, than Rihanna's. Because like when Rihanna, uh, what does she say? Oh, when they're trying to figure out the magnetic mechanic to get the necklace open, Nineball is Rihanna's character's name. Her little sister, she calls her and she's like, hey, this is our problem. This is what we need to get to get fixed. Do you have an idea? And she's like, let me think about it. Then she's on the subway and she's like, yeah, fuck it. It's super easy. I can make a mechanism to do it. She's like, perfect. Love you. Thank you. Hangs up. And then I think Kate Blanchett turns to her and she's like, so you just solved it? She's like, did you really just ask me that? Like... It's it's one of these things where it's like there's not any other because each one of these people is a specialist in the thing that they do. So why are we only questioning the black character's skill set? Like Kate Blanchett just saw this whole transaction go down where her sister figured it out and everyone's like, yeah. But why is she now questioning whether or not that happened? And you know what I mean? She's only questioning um, her skill set. And then even later, Sandra Bullock asks a similar question when they meet at the park and then they get in the van. Sandra Bullock's like, what do your parents do? And Rihanna doesn't even recognize it with a response. She just gives her the dirtiest look and then they get in the van. Because they're not they're not really asking the same questions of any other character but Rihanna. I agree with you with that comment about the parents, for sure, because she's the only character that does get asked that. But with regards to the first time, I think that was more of a question of because what she deals with is technology, like I I felt like that was more of like a, wait, really? Or like also because they saw the sister and the sister was much younger too. And like, yeah, she didn't need to be questioned, but also like they're selling from the fucking Met Gala. So I think because if her character didn't rely on technology, I think that that would have been a bit different. But- I don't know. I honestly, truly, I wanted more of Rihanna and Mindy Kaling and Aquafina and, you know, all of the yeah. characters that were kind of comprising the team. Because at the end of the day, this film is still about three white women, right? Yeah. Oh, you know, They are truly the stars and everybody else is kind of is just kind of there. So like, I mean, they're not kind of there. They, they, I feel like each of the characters at least had more depth to them than the other one we watched, Ocean's Eleven. I loved Mindy Kaling and uh, Aquafina showing her how to do Tinder, you know? I loved Aquafina, yeah. like, straight up being like, can I get a Metro card? And she's like, you don't have a Metro card? What are you, a tourist? I, I liked how they got to roast them just a little bit. And also, like, the ways in which they bonded. And yeah, I think. For me, I wanted more of them. If I could have anything changed in this movie, it would be more of them. I agree. Yeah, that was something that I wanted too. I did. I enjoyed. So in the way that this movie had more character building than the last, I 100% agree with you. I think, okay, so this, I, I do want to just rebut the one thing. Her, the, it's just the questioning of like, did you really just say that making that response? Because to me, it's like, this is literally the best of the best. If you're trusting who you're getting, you've already chosen. The heist is already in process. We've established that like these are the best people at what they do. So in that moment, even in a high-stress situation, I think there's a level of just like she's just not trusting her because her and her sister are capable, autonomous, intelligent black women. And she's Mm -hmm. questioning her on that reason alone because we're already on the base level assumption that these are the best people so for her to then double down on like are you sure you're the best are you sure like why do you keep asking me are you sure (laughs) like why you know know what i mean 
thinking back on it, when like Nine Ball is first introduced, she's like, "Wait, but what's your real name? Wait, but what's your she, real name?" And, and she then, keeps doing that bullshit. Yeah. It, and also being like, are you sure she's the best? Like, so maybe not to her face. Ooh. So, yeah, I do. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to retract my statement on that. And it's, um, and, and it, only to me, it's like, because th- those were the small shades. And again, generally, I liked everybody in this movie. Um, there wasn't really anything about any of them that I was kind of like, oh, about. Um, Kate Blanchett, I liked the least. <laughs> And it was because of that moment. And then like, there were a couple other things where I'm like, I don't necessarily like your character that much. But again, it's nuanced. Generally, all the characters I thought were great and unique and nuanced and cool. But yeah, what was I going to say? Oh, when we're talking about subverting the expectation of like social performance in the way that the last one dealt with, not really dealt with, but like performed racism to get what they wanted with Matt Damon and Bernie Mac. This one... Throughout the entire movie, there is this sort of... Because obviously, it's like the female reboot of this. It's supposed to be the femme one. It's supposed to be like all things girly. So like in these small moments of like Tinder and whatever, I like that we're performing it and making it a movie that is more femme than mask in this way. But the movie does a really good job at like, even though these are all women, there is still some performed misogyny that has just been taught like... With um, Kluger, they all assumed that she was this dumb woman and all this stuff, but she like subverts that expectation. She's like, I know what you guys were doing. You guys thought I'm dumb. Like, no. And you know what I mean? Like that. that Yeah, I thought that that was that was one of the best parts of the film. I thought it was well done. I loved it. Because, like, that's that's something that we get so often when there's more than one woman on screen at the same time is it's usually, like, they're at odds or whatever. And so, like, in this, it was directed a lot on and a lot of this was writing on Kluger on Anne Hathaway not getting it and just kind of being, like, you know, yeah. a ditzy, ditzy star that's, like, really self-absorbed and everything. And the way that her character is written is just very – it's kind of, like, dripping that like self-absorption and stuff like that right and so the whole time you're like all right cool she sucks and this dude sucks and then at the end it's like no i knew it was happening and i was cool with this and she knowingly like planted the the evidence on the dude and she still like screwed him she's still like yeah whatever so because a lot of the time too like female confidence is portrayed as bad or as negative or a negative trait to have right yeah and so she was so confident that it was off-putting right or is supposed to feel off-putting and at the end like when we see her just fully embrace all of that and knowing now who she is it's it's just so interesting how how that suddenly becomes okay and empowering when they're suddenly on the right side or when we know the motivation behind what they're doing. So I think that that's another bigger conversation. But I do, one of the things I, I loved especially too was that she did all of that, not because she needed money, not because of anything, but because of female friendship, because that is something that as a woman is really hard to find, yeah. Um, you know, and when you find it, you try not to let go. And so- I liked that they addressed, like, it, it felt like they were saying, like, more women need to be friends. Like, so I, I liked that that was her whole motivation and it wasn't a dude and it wasn't this. It was just like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll bone him, whatever. Let's hang out. Can we hang well, out? Is that cool? Yeah. I think, like, that whole thing, to me, it didn't even feel, really feel like the motivation for her was necessary. Like, in the end, it worked out because she ended up, like, meeting all these women and, like, 
ultimately there was kind of this discussion about female friendship, how she hasn't really had any friends. But I think initially I loved it because it felt like she wasn't doing it to like meet people. She was just like, oh, they're up to something and I want in. <laughs> like it was just a general adventurous curiosity because like even watching it this time, the scene, like the moment in the narrative where Kluger and Hathaway, when she realizes that it's a heist, that they're going to steal the diamonds. It's when she has the guard put the necklace back on her just mm-hmm. so she can record the the magnetic lock on the back. And when she sends the video to headquarters and they're reviewing it, if you look in the background, you can see Anne Hathaway looking in the mirror at the phone. Mm-hmm. And then they just kind of pan away from it real quick. And so I like that because I'm like, oh, this isn't just some sort of like hindsight thing. Like there's evidence at the beginning of the movie that shows clearly, oh, Look, she's looking at the phone. She's no, she's acknowledging this. Love it. So to me, I was like, knowing that was coming, I was like, ooh, yes. I love that. <laughs> well, and it's also really cool, too, because like, that's a really great example of how they build, how, how they show you what they're going to be using for the real heist, you know? Yeah. So like, when you go back and you put everything together, it's like, wait, she hoards a bunch of toys or they, they bought toys. She, okay. So the toys, she bought the toy thing. submarine. Okay, yeah. cool. And then they, they do a lot of scenes in that room with all of the jewels, right? And there's just so much kind of like foreshadowing so much, um, so many little details like that where when it's all coming together, it's not like, it's not just. Oh shit, really? That happened? Oh my god, that's so cool. It's, oh, what? Like, it, it's kind of like taken to this whole other level because, like, because you've seen all of this, because, like, wow, okay, this is really smart because, like, the fake heist happens, right? Where, like, oh, she had to go barf in the bathroom and then this happened and then this happened and then Mindy Kaling, like, goes in the bathroom and uses a fucking diaper, uh, changer yeah. to, like, do all that. And it was like, Holy shit, that's so amazing that I lost my shit at that, right? And yeah. also because, of course, nobody else is going to be using that because it's a diaper changing thing and because that's woman's work or whatever, right? So yeah. anyways, um, so like with that, and I was like, oh, fuck yeah, that's cool. And then once the real house is revealed, I was like, I, I don't know, it just like blew my mind because there was so much that was so much that was there and so much that was I it felt more earned. It didn't feel just like, oh yeah, and like this is what actually happened. Huh. Like they laid that groundwork in such subtle ways that like it felt so rewarding to me. One hundred percent because when I saw it in theaters I felt the same way. I'm like, what? It's a triple heist? That's crazy. Like, not only did she know and she came back, but then it's like not just the one necklace, it's thirty million for everybody. Like, here's all the necklace. Like, love it, love it, love it. For some reason, watching it after Ocean's Eleven, that turn felt less earned this time. And I don't know. Oh, I disagree. A I, I don't know. Percent. And I don't know why. Because to me, like, so if if we're equating like story wise, they're pretty similar. Like the whole idea that like each one of them was only doing it in a sort of personal for a personal reason to sort of get back at a lover that wronged them or to get the lover back or whatever. So there's that scene of like, you're doing this just for them. And it's like, not just for them, but whatever. Like it had a lot of similarities. And so the two key instances to set up that like last turn, that last gotcha, one's the pine tree from the SWAT car. The other is the toy submarine that um, Kate Blanchett buys for some reason and i'm not sure why the pine tree worked better for me 
just mm. just as like a more because because to me in oceans 11 and this is just a purely like this is obviously purely opinion based and has nothing to do with the content of like character or anything in oceans 11 that rack focus of like they're in the space doing something and then we just get a glimpse of this other thing that's already in the space and then you're like i wonder what that is next scene whereas in this one she just goes to a toy store and buys a submarine like that toy store never comes back into play it's just like oh why is she in a toy store why'd she buy that We'll find out later. Where is this other totem, this other visual trigger for the last turn is like already in the space. It's not, there's not like an, there's not like a, you don't have to go out of your way to find that thing to then. Cause not to say that it wasn't good looking at them from like, because they do feel like remakes, obviously everything about them is different, but generally heist movies are all pretty much the same movie (laughs) um generally it's like a lot of the same sort of like hijinks and twist 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 so if i'm looking at it purely on the comparing the two in this regard i don't know why oceans 8 didn't hit me as hard as it did the first two times i saw it it hit me so hard for this because to me okay if we're comparing those totems the pine tree was boring for me because it's like oh cool they got a car whatever they yeah. have a car. There's cars everywhere. They have, like, they've got a getaway vehicle. Sure. But what the submarine represented to me was female ingenuity because, like, you would never have expected them to use a fucking toy submarine to take the jewels underneath all of the, like, laser beams and all of this stuff, right? So, to me, that was, uh, and the same way that they use the selfie stick and the same way that they use all of these other things, right? They were smart and also so much more discreet. Like nobody, people are going to look for that fucking SWAT car. They're going to find that. Like all I could think of when they like drove it into the thing, I was like, that's going to be found. Like also they all have to go back there and get their own share of the money. That's going to be, that's so like, that's silly. And then with this, it was just like, that could be like tossed in the trash or that could be like, that could be smashed super, that could be put in a fucking purse. That is such a small thing and that is the key to making this happen. I completely agree with you. The representation of the submarine, it being a child's toy, something you wouldn't expect to be this thing. Also, the way that everybody generally does not expect women to be successful, to be intelligent, to be this thing, because of generalized misogyny and the patriarchy, there is this under-assumption of the capabilities of femme-presenting people. So 100% on the submarine being that, I loved the submarine as it was used. To me, this the structural setup was wrong. Because, And I thought about it. What would have worked better to me? And again, this is just whatever. We're talking, this is so silly. But what have worked better... When she's in what's her name's garage and she has all of those like multiples of blenders and this and that. And she's like, how do you explain this to your husband? Like eBay, like there's this whole thing. So you're establishing that she's like a reseller or like that's her scam. Why not have a section in the garage that are that toy submarine and have Sandra Bullock just swipe it on her way out? Because I think I think it had to do with the character building between Lou and Debbie. Because that was also the part that was 
Lou's part. Like, Lou is kind of, like, outside of all of this. And then she shows up with Gwen from the first one, right? And so then it's like, all right, cool. He's back. And then they do the thing while everybody else is off busy and doing their thing. So, like, I think that was a way to empower her, empower Lou, because... She's also the one that helps set up the entire thing, even Kruger and even this, like her and Debbie are the only people that know everything and know what's going on because what's her name? Um, mom lady with the eBay garage was like, wait, what? We didn't like, how are we going to get the money? And then she's like, oh shit. Like, so I, yeah. I think. Whatever. Yeah, so she so she was like in on it still. You know what I mean? So there's there's a couple things that like generally worked, but watching it this other time, I'm like the just her going to the toy store for no reason and buying that. I was like, this could have been it was good and it worked and it was effective. But to me, it just felt like that moment, that scene could have been a part of another scene and it would have been more seamless. And then I would have been like, she took the submarine from the garage. Okay, sure. Because it, like, it was also more, yeah. like we might be getting a little bit nitpicky because like, oh, without then a doubt. It's like this, this film has to be like, because I think there's a lot of care that went into this film. And yes. uh, I think that's true of, and I was thinking about this earlier. That's true of any female remake or reboot or whatever yeah. you want to, whatever you want to say. Right. They have to get everything right. They have to um, have tie-ins from the first ones. They have to have the right dialogue they have to have the callbacks they have to have they have to be extremely well written and extremely well cast and our expectations of women so often have to be flawless in order to be good you know and it's not enough to just like where oceans 12 is fucking messy julia roberts is playing herself and she's pregnant (laughs) and it's a whole thing where like that would slide in oceans 11 but that would absolutely not slide in oceans 8 So I think that, yeah, I mean, that part could have been done better. But I like to me, like, I didn't even think about that because like there was just so much groundwork that they had laid where Ocean's Eleven didn't work for that ending. They didn't really. It was just kind of like, oh, yeah. And then you thought and then you thought and then you thought, whereas this one was actually littering that throughout the whole thing and trying to make sure that each person had their part. And it wasn't just to like be a decoy or like you know or like the twins where their whole art the whole thing that they do is just like fight you know <laughs> like yeah. so it's um yeah yeah like i don't know in this this film was extremely conscious about how women are viewed like that and how they have to have perfection and stuff like that and like you know several times within the film like it even says like men can't be trusted there's like the moment where they were like no 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 i want an all women team no no dudes no he's no he's here and you know because you see like literally every man in this until we get the inspector is a douchebag or is locking away a part of femininity or blocking their access to something you know so like the necklace is held captive by these little frenchmen and they're just kind of like you know like no you can't see the necklace this is our necklace (laughs) and they're like okay you know and it feels it feels to me like this was that that was very cognizant of all of that and like even like from like once they pull off the heist they're sitting in the in the place like Instead of like doing nails or whatever, they're eating pizza and drinking beer, you know, or but, they're but see, like that, that to me was almost a little too like, see, we're cool. We're not like other girls, which I think is just as destructive as something that would be as femme as like doing nails. I 
I only say that because I do think I, I love this movie and I love the character, but like they do make the comment about like an all female team. Then why is Yen there? Because really, he's the one who gets the jewels. They're just keeping mm-hmm. guard, and she's running the submarine. Which again, it's a cool plan, and I'm on board. I'm loving the visuals, but at the same time, why not when they get to the trampoline or the sorry the trapeze place? It's his business. I'm assuming he's the instructor. Or he runs it. Why not in that moment, then what if he just like pointed to his left and it was like his daughter or his wife or somebody? Because then right. you're establishing like he's still in thievery and deception. He's still a part of this. And there's sort of like a, my kids are also involved in it in the same way. Like there, so you're still establishing this character in the family of like all of these things. I just didn't like that. Like, and I love that he was, he had a cameo in it briefly Mm -hmm. but i think his cameo should have been limited to him at the trapeze place and then he's like here's my wife or my daughter or some other female presenting person to be just as good if not better than him in that moment to come in because they made that comment earlier yeah i agree because they made the comment earlier so when he was there watching it this time too because the first two times i was just like oh hell yeah and i also had never seen oceans 11 so i was like i don't know who he is but we're on board he fucking rips i love this but watching it this time, I was like, oh, then why say like an all-female team and then have him come in? That, I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? When it could have just been, so there's there's small moments like that. Again, I want to say generally, I really like this movie. I think it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. I love the turns. I love the twists. And the same can be said. So like, I, w- I remembered watching it this time and, and kind of being a little bit bummed that a lot of the moments relied on technology in a way that the last one didn't, where like they're like scanning the thing and like the glasses are like super high tech. I'm on board with high tech. But then thinking about it, I'm also just like, well, look at the first one. What the fuck was that dumb sci-fi bomb? Like that's also a bit of really garbage, super silly technology where it's like, really? This Riddler looking contraption is gonna turn off all of the power on the strip? Like what? Does that even, you know what I mean? If you try to make a heist (laughs) movie now, like, without using any sort of technology i think yeah, that there's also that then it's yeah. gonna be like what the fuck like that so like then i was super fine with it and i was like dude that's super smart make that blind spot cool yeah. like they clearly were smart and worked for it i'm also i want to go back to the moment where you were talking about how the pizza beer scene was harmful i don't think it was harmful because i feel like they were just like to me it wasn't like they're like not being like and we're like we're not girly girls or whatever because like they literally walked out of the Met Gala in these gorgeous dresses and all of this but I think it was a cool moment to be like cool also they stole millions of dollars worth of diamonds and now they're just kind of sitting on the couch eating pizza and drinking beer I thought that was great I did enjoy it I just I was only saying that as a response because it's like instead of doing the expected thing they did the unexpected thing but I don't think that that was the unexpected thing only because we did mm -hmm. see these moments of femininity of glam of of expected feminists of what and again this movie the whole time is trying to subvert the expectation by using the male gaze as a weapon to get the things that they need in any situation so you're seeing them playing with the expected female the femme thing as a means to get what they want which i appreciate so i don't i'm only saying in general my response to that is only because of one line at the beginning that we haven't really talked about when they walk to the met gala they're talking about how she hatched this plan and she says i shared a cell with four other girls i couldn't even think and that to me felt very like misogynist 
It felt very like, yeah. like it's, I mean, to me, I'm like, oh, so the guy who wrote this, he wrote that joke. Like right. he, he wrote that dialogue, which also I'm just like, then why, why is he writing? Like not to, not to be like a complete <laughs> shit, but like, why is he on the writing team? Why is he writing the screenplay? I know he got a, a dual credit, uh, Gary Ross and Olivia Milch. So, and maybe he didn't, maybe she wrote, whoever wrote it to me, I'm just like for a movie that's like, yes, we're establishing this like very, very femme, very female, like they know what the perceived female expectation is. They're going to use that against society and against mm-hmm. men specifically. And I love that. But then to have that line thrown in there, I'm like, wait. Yeah, I do- didn't even remember that line. Yeah, I it just it just made yeah. me like that's a gross kind line. of. It made me kind of recontextualize things. So in these small moments, and again, I love them like walking down the stairs. That was a really gorgeous silhouette. I love that each one of them repurposes this jewelry in a way that looks cool. So when she's standing, Kate Blanchett standing across the street in her like gorgeous turquoise blue green dress, she's wearing a piece of that necklace as sort of like a an amulet necklace. Mm-hmm. So it still looks gorgeous, but she's repurposing this thing that they just stole in a way to to show beauty to show this exquisite look tying it together. There were just some small moments that kind of like, like that pizza thing that I didn't really even think about it in its context. But with a line like that early on, I was just kind of like, how much of this is like performative feminism? Whereas how much of it is earnest? Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think it is really weird that that line made it in there. And it's making me think so weird. What other what other lines because like there there were a couple other things that did bother me a little bit like the first place that debbie goes when she gets out of jail is the makeup store and um so it's like okay and then she she kind of like just like tricks her way into getting like literally everything which like cool all right do it but like they do lean into that in certain points and i'm not quite sure this definitely needs a rewatch i i still really enjoyed it but um same but i think a lot of that is in response because like you know like beauty is political or like a lot of this is also like you know men excluding women from access to certain things or to like certain mobility or things like that so there's a lot going in there but i think you're right that like maybe not all of it was very well thought out because like you know there were some amazing moments but then to have certain lines or to have questioning of people of color in the film and things like that like that does feel a little bit dirty it just yeah yeah, it just re like because again i think maybe it was those moments not necessarily watching it in succession with oceans 11 it might have just been because i remember that very clearly and being like why did she say that what like that based on who you're portraying and who who we're seeing now that seems really out of character especially with the rest of the movie so i love the subversion of expectation that was my favorite part of the writing of this movie with that. And mm-hmm. and even, even her going to like the makeup store at the beginning, there's a level of me that read that as like, if we're going all in on this being the female reboot, this being the femme reboot, hell yeah, she's in a makeup store. Cool. But then her stealing it is contextualizing or like, I guess, characterizing her. Cool. She's an ocean. She's thievery. She's fraudulence. We know her already based on her family. But also stealing from the makeup industry, which, I mean, generally, there's a bigger conversation about makeup in general, but, like, kind of isn't great to women. (laughs) Like, the makeup industry at large isn't necessarily the best to women. So stealing from that industry, to me, felt like a very, like, quiet, feminist, cool, like, 
Oh yeah, fuck it. She's yeah, hell yeah. yeah exactly. She's she's obviously a part of the system because she is femme, but she's also understanding the nuance of a system that keeps women down and is going to take from them in a way that's also shedding light on the character that is an ocean, right? In the lore of the oceans, we're seeing, oh, she is she is that girl. We're seeing that. So there's there's like I feel like there, we can we can read into that with almost any scene uh in that yeah. way but just like really it was like lines like that other one that just like I'm like man how much of this is intentional then cuz like before I'm like hell yeah this is great um cuz I didn't think about that diaper changing station I loved it just as like um like a secret agent moment with Mindy Kaling but just mm-hmm. the 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 literal um, representation of what those things were. It's a diaper changing station and a tampon dispenser. She opens both mm-hmm. of them. One is the table. One is like her tool set. I didn't see that the first time. You saying that now, I'm like, that is, cl- that's cool. Like, that's like such a cool, it's not really called out. It's very coy and casual, but a really mm-hmm. fun way to, like I just, moments like that, I'm like, that's sick. But then again, that line, I'm just like, why did she say that? Like, why did that make yeah, it in the it, movie? <laughs> it makes me wonder why, um, like, I mean, obviously, you're not going to win all of the battles in the writer room, you know, and I'm sure oh, that, no. that was the dude joke, right? So, yeah, it does give me a little bit of pause when I'm thinking about this film. But I do generally think that at its heart, it's really good. And so so I'd like to think that those are just one offs and shouldn't have been in there, because when you really look at what each of these characters inhabits, you know, and whether or not they're questioned or whatever, just like who they are, they're all extremely confident in who they are. And we see like little moments of society trying to make them into what they think they're supposed to be. Right. And so, like, we see Mindy Kaling and, like, one of her customers be like, get a man, right? Or, like, and then we see, again, so many men be like, oh, you cannot do that. You can't do that, actually. You cannot use this necklace. And we're going to have armed guards with you in order to have this, you know, or in order to borrow this for the night, blah, blah, blah. Showing just a lot of the expectations of of women that we put on women. And so like seeing them trying to fight against that or use those expectations to their advantage, you know, and use their sexuality or use their play dumb or do stuff like that in order to like, you know, oh, I need to see this in the light, you know, like those types of things to where while they're playing dumb or playing like pretending to be this person, so many times in so many ways in so many days like you know like these little small subtle ways that you find to get through the day or like you know to to make things better for yourself or to get what you need because if you outright say like hey i need to do this the answer is going to be no you know or or things like that so that's kind of how we navigate the world is kind of like always trying to figure out how can i do this how can I survive when everybody's trying to tell you what to do and what not to do and what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do? So, yeah, I thought that there was some really brilliant writing in this. And, yeah, obviously there was some some bad writing in this. But I think overall, like for a especially for a reboot, like so this isn't necessarily a reboot. It, like we said, it does take place in the same universe and it does start at Danny Ocean's grave. We don't know. We I think that it's implied that he's not dead. But, you know, I feel like I feel like the acting from everybody was very good. I think we saw a lot of different types of femininity 
Like we said, even Anne Hathaway, who's supposed to be overconfident and self-absorbed, is actually still just a person and you shouldn't think bad of her, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, oh, uh, yeah, just that kind of stuff. And I also I like like as you were saying about like being a woman and just getting told no and not having the same opportunities that male presenting people or men have. I like that in this moment, the crux of the the narrative that was her trying to get back at a jilted lover. Whereas in the first one, it was guided by ego-driven ownership of somebody else, right? Yeah, Whereas yeah, absolutely. This, this one was more of a revenge, but revenge specifically in the realm of this man abused her vulnerability into doing this thing and then threw her under the bus at the turn of a hat. Like he used her in this way, but got close. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was more of Sandra Bullock's character. Her motive to getting him back felt way more justified than George Clooney's in Ocean's Mm -hmm. 11. I was way more because like that whole thing with George Clooney, I was like, this doesn't like, it doesn't really make sense. And also he's a bad person. And also why is he our hero? Like, like, okay, no thanks. But in this one, it was like, yeah, that guy's a piece of shit. And he continues to be a piece of shit throughout the movie. So yeah, fuck him over. Like drop that little jewel in his pocket. And then Anne Hathaway going in there and taking the photo. I'm like, yes, fuck him. Like fuck him completely. Also get those dogs a new home. <laughs> and then even with like uh the fashion designer i forget her name but like you know like i i liked that each one of these women even like their weaknesses could also be used as their strengths right yeah. so like she doesn't always know what's happening and she just will lean the hell into it and she's fine you know yeah. or she'll like be like uh and then when somebody says something she's like yes absolutely you know um and so like you know you don't have to have all the answers you don't have to be super smart you don't have to have the entire plan you could just kind of like be there and rely on other women to help you out and help you get through you know so i enjoyed that as well i did too like that whole scene with well because first she meets dakota fanning which i love that dakota fanning was just like in it for a second yeah especially since l is kind of like I mean, she's like more of a fanning than Dakota, which seems so strange <laughs> to me. You know what I mean? Because yeah. Elle's doing so many things like The Great, which was fantastic. I mean, this is the whole thing, but she was in The Great. It was fantastic. Elle fanning is incredible. So is Dakota, obviously. But like, it was just cool to see her for as small of a part as she had just momentarily be in this. I was like, hell yeah. I love Dakota fanning. That's sick. But the scene after that where Helena Bonham Carter meets with Kluger, Anne Hathaway, and the whole point is to seem disinterested, but she has trouble being disinterested because she's like, she keeps saying, I saw her movie. She's quite good. Like, she's kind of hyping herself up to be like, oh, shit, this is like a movie star that I mean. <laughs> and then they have the bubble I don't know gun if I'm ready. outside. <laughs> the, yep. And then they keep blowing the bubble gun and then she's like, keeps staring and it works well. I know that's like a small moment. Like, we just need you to be disinterested. And it's like, she can't. And she's telling, kind of like explaining to them like, I might be starstruck in not so many words. So the fact that they were like outside to help her through this process to get to the desired goal, I really enjoyed. I liked, and also just bubble like the, them standing really stoically blowing a bubble <laughs> gun into the window. It was a really fun visual. 
especially because I really did love Lou's character. Like, just kind of like yeah. chill, stoic, like whatever. Looks great in a pantsuit. And then, like, also, I'm going to make this dude tacos, I guess. Like, you know, like, she's there for it all. But, like, the moments where you see her, like, really show how much care and, and how much love that she has for for Debbie, for Sandra Bullock, when she's, like, the only time we really see her be emotional is when she's talking about, like, this dude fucked you over. Like, he's going to do this to you again. She's she's so protective of Debbie, you know? And the, the vibe I got from her was, the whole world will burn if they fuck you over again. <laughs> like, you know? Well, well I like, because you said off mic earlier that your take of this was that they were together. Or that they, they, they like, had a romantic, not necessarily fling, but there was definitely romantic tension between the two of them. Which I didn't read at all, but to me, that would have been a really interesting turn. That would have just been a really interesting another layer of context or like, I guess to me, like adding to that level of like, you're really doing this just because of him. And like, I mean, obviously some of her anger is coming from the fact that like she could really endanger these other people if the heist goes wrong. But she's Mm -hmm. also like, fuck him. He's just going to hurt you again. Unlike me. I won't do that to you. Like, let me love you sort of thing. That to me would have just like heightened the stakes and adding that romantic layer in a way that I think like, God, that would have been so cool. (laughs) That's how I read it. Just because like there were these like really little small things that were like, you know, they went to a restaurant and they were eating together off the same plate. And I don't know why, but that's how I read that. And then like the familiarity that they had with each other. And then especially like in those moments and stuff like be like, he's just going to fuck you over again. And I can't watch that happen to you. And how she was just like very, she wasn't necessarily yes. And she was like, yes. And but right. Like, yeah. Okay. I'm here for you. And like, she really is the backbone of this. And yes, she's like the counterpart to Rusty, right? In Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. So she's got to have that kind of like cool kind of whatever. But like, I thought that was just so interesting because we so rarely get such a strong female character that's just kind of like disinterested or like cool or that suave or that cool headed. But like also yeah. just so st- like in the ways that they chose to show her strength or her like being a badass and like nothing's beneath her or like, you know, she does whatever the fuck it takes. Like some dude is like knocking on the window to get a taco or something. And she's like, all right, what the fuck ever. Right. Or she's like ri- yeah. riding her motorcycle or she's she's the one that's actually stealing the diamonds, you know, like or she keeps all the team together. Like Debbie has the idea. But like Lou is the one that like really just she makes it come together, you know. Oh, 100%. She's she's the glue and Sandra Bullock is the popsicle sticks. <laughs> right? Making a little popsicle castle or whatever. But yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. She she was great. I wish I wish I had read that the same way you did because I feel like if it was more overt, I wish that like there was romantic tension. That would have been such a cool element. It would have recontextualized my entire understanding of not just their dynamic, but also the context of the entire heist, essentially. And again, I just want to say for the record, which I haven't said many times, I love heist movies. Like for as much, (laughs) for as much as like, I did have some small problems with it. This movie was a pure joy. Like every turn when it's like, they're doing the blind spot at the bathroom and it's like, oh, she's going to throw up an Aquafina, just like grabs it off of her neck real quick. And it's just like, boom, slips it on the tray. Tray goes to the thing, the dishes out of the dish, like boom. And you're like, 
what? And then also her hiring all of those actors to then go resell the diamonds yes. so they don't get caught with it. This all happened. And deposit that money into Claude or whatever the fuck his name was, yes. his bank account. Like the way in which they yeah. set him up to take yeah. this call was, was uh well, cause it also, Amazing. I also like that that entire last 30 minutes felt like a epilogue in a way where yeah. like they got the diamonds heist over. And then this whole bit with James Corden as the detective and them like reselling and setting him up and all this stuff structurally. I know it's act three, but it felt like an epilogue. And because of that, I feel like epilogues are shorter than acts, obvi- like generally. So as soon Unless as every- Lord of the Rings. Unless you're Lord of the Rings, yes. So <laughs> and then it's like eight so, hours. Then it's like a whole nother book. <laughs> but because it felt like a shorter window of time to wrap up the story, every time there was another turn, it felt that much more engaging. Whereas if it felt very clearly like the third act, I would have been like, there's a lot more that's going to happen. I'm just waiting for it. But knowing that, it, or not knowing rather, feeling like it was a shorter amount of time when they were like resell into the guy's name and and Hathaway's actually in it, and there's actually eight necklaces, and the detective actually knows your ocean, and you have that conversation, you're like, I can get him for you. And Hathaway goes to his house and fucks him, and then stages this whole thing and, like, bounces, and the cops are there, and, like, every time it would, like, return, and they would reveal something else, it just felt so much more like, ooh, ah, and again, I'm a sucker for heists, so whenever you show me something new that I, that you're like, ooh, we fooled you, I'm fooled every time, no matter what, I didn't see it coming, (laughs) And the, even the most basic thing, it'll be like, we said this at the beginning and be like, oh shit, I don't remember that. This was a trick. Like, because of that, that whole last sequence, I was like, ooh, yes. Mm. Yeah, I, I loved this movie. I had as much fun watching this as I had when I was watching Ghostbusters. And I thought it was funnier. I felt like the jokes landed a little bit better, you know, oh, like, whereas the, the other hu- one felt just kind of like a bunch of like dumb playboys. You know, like this one so, felt like they were all just like people and they were fun and funny. I'm going to like, I mean, we'll say it in the conclusion. The first one was very much just for boring straight guys. It was straight guy action porn. That's all it was. Like there was nothing <laughs> else. So the little like racist jokes is like, oh, that's so funny because he's totally the tr-. like what a straight white thing to do. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's so boring. Like what a bad joke and a boring take. Um, but to me, the entire context of that movie was this is for cis straight white guys. Like, that's what this movie is. Um, whereas this movie, it was way more inclusive, even though it was like the femme version, the female version, like the big air quotes, girl version. The mm-hmm. humor was way more inclusive in a way that the first one wasn't. The the I feel like structurally it was way more like everybody and not just straight white guys. Like it just it, it mm-hmm. felt way more inclusive than Ocean's Eleven did throughout the entirety of it. Ocean's Eleven was straight guy shit. Yeah. I loved that female friendship won in the end. And yeah. um, I loved that this movie was about getting revenge on somebody that was a jerk rather than just, uh, hey, remember, I'm also pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 100%. So. And we're back for the conclusion. So, Eric, tell us, what did you think of Ocean's Eleven? Who was it for? Ocean's Eleven was for 
straight white men who buy fedoras at Target and then at the barbecue that they're going to subsequently from Target, they cannot stop telling you about the one time they saw ACDC six years ago at whatever ballpark is in their city. Um, That is who <laughs> Ocean's Eleven is for. But with that said, because it is just straight guy action porn... I did really like it. <laughs> for, okay, for as problematic as it was, and for as bad as the jokes were for the most part, also fuck Casey Affleck. <laughs> I don't know if we got into that, but like, fuck him. He's sucks. Um, so with all that in mind, I still like the heist aspect. Again, big, big heist boy. So give me those twists and I'm on board. I know I've said that a million times on this podcast or on this episode, but like, uh, yeah. So for that reason, I did... I am, I think, uh, I'm so sorry, Jess. I'm going to say I loved it. I'm going to do it. I did. I really did enjoy myself watching this movie. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> I'm so happy that in these trying times, you found that you love something so much. You you love Ocean's Eleven so much that you are declaring now before our listeners and Danny and the whole world that you love this movie, you can't get enough of it, and uh, you're going to watch it every night before bed. Well, so much so that I'm watching this, the sequel and the third <laughs> version of it because I'm like, I need to know where the story goes. Like an absolute foolish man just being like, oh, I need to know where these actions, like, oh, it's so silly, but I'm, yeah, I'm, I, that's absolutely me. I'm here for it. <laughs> what did you think? Who was this for and did you like it? I think, yeah, like, okay, that picture that you painted of the dude and the barbecue and Target and Fedora, like, I can't think of a better image of who this is for. Oh, my Because he, he'll, he'll mansplain every cinematic aspect of that movie to you and when you're like that's cool i'd be like no but like do you really get it though like do you really understand the symbology like the it was symbology? about julia roberts the whole time like it if, was if about, i tried to say like oh they her. weren't around you know there was no women who would be like no it was about julia this whole movie <laughs> yeah. was for her and i'd just be like or his fucking ego maybe yeah. <laughs> but he loves her but do you get that like he loves her do you understand that like love conquers all and like ultimately like at the end of the day like at the end of the day the one thing that like all that matters is his love like how are you not seeing that like he loved her and he showed it he like showed his heart to her and she saw it's so cute when you talk like that <laughs> I don't know if you know that, but like, man, that totally is what I look for. <laughs> <Why Yeah. not? laughs> it's really, trust me, I've, it's, yeah, I've been with many a man who <laughs> is that kind of, on. no, I'm just kidding. Oh, bros. <laughs> no. Oh, bros. Uh, um, no, but I, you know what? It's a movie. It did a thing. It's fine. Yeah. And, I would watch this again if Netflix no longer existed. There were no more like subscriptions. If it was back in like the 2004 era, cool, I'll watch this <laughs> and I will fall asleep. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so remake, remember remake, was this new, interesting, or the same, progressive, regressive, and how had the story evolved with today's ideals? I think it was new and interesting i think it was progressive just in the sense that like 
like you were saying, there's not a lot of movies that are like female fronted and backed in that way where the entire cast for the most part is all women or, or female presenting people. And so for that, I'm like, yeah, I want, I want to see more of that. And this movie was fantastic, like fantastic performances, great writing, cool sets, gorgeous costumes. Like it was just, it was cool and fun and just what I would hope for. I think it did a really good job at taking the original idea of like this Ocean's family and then making it, because it's not really necessarily a story about women, but making it a story that for the most part only had women in it in a way that we hardly ever see in most uh, Well, I mean, it was both about women and like i mean when you think about like what they're stealing they're stealing a necklace you know and where are they doing it they're doing it at ball they're doing it at like this dress up fancy event right and all of that so it was a hyper feminized version right i mean which had the story not been so good or so like clever in how it played out with like you know the mindy kaling scene with like the tampon dispenser in the thing and then she's just fucking in the bathroom going like and those types of things like i think that was i think it was just incredibly clever but it was when you look at the the beats and the story plots and the devices and how they use them and what they are actually stealing it really is jewelry it's dressing up it's you know it's not like they're gonna go rob a vault or something you know like i think that would have been a bit more progressive so i i think what i'm trying to say is i think it was new and interesting in some really great ways i think it was both progressive and regressive in the ways that it was trying to be progressive it kind of maybe overlooked that we had to remember that okay we're gonna go get some makeup now okay well we're gonna go get this jewelry okay one of us is going to be a fashion designer and one of us is going to be a jeweler and one of us is going to be a, yeah so even in like their professions and everything but i i don't think that it necessarily was i don't think it was bad i think it was just incredibly you know feminized in those sorts of ways but i still i still absolutely loved it would i love to see another one where maybe they're stealing something other than jewelry you know maybe they're stealing like a fast car maybe they're stealing straight cash maybe they're doing something like i would love to see something where it isn't just hyper feminized give me the fast and the furious crossover reboot where michelle rodriguez is the third lead of this film Hell yes. How cool would that be? Oh my God, that would be so silly. Uh, I love Michelle Rodriguez. She's so sick. But She's yeah, great. Like, how cool would that be? That would be so fun. That'd be so sick. Yes, I, I totally agree with everything you said. And I will walk back what I said about like how it's not about women. It is about women, obviously. Like like you said, everything within it was very feminized. It's like even those small moments, it's like, yeah, it was about women. It was about femme things, female things in this. Yeah. Even in it the was, same way, was, like when she's sitting at her brother's grave in the very beginning and the old guy from Ocean's Eleven comes up and is like, and this this line really pissed me off because nobody would fucking say this to Danny Ocean, right? Especially him. But because she's a woman, you know, he's like, yeah. you know, sometimes knowing it will work is enough. Because I like that's something that like I feel like as a woman we hear so much like, you know, just knowing in your heart that you can be anything that you want and you could do anything you want is enough. But maybe you want to be a mom. You know, it's so hard to be out there like maybe you don't want this. So putting that at the very front of it of this movie and having her just be like, fuck you and be like, uh, yeah, no, I'm going to do my own thing. Thanks. You just saying that quote, I felt like there was a silent sweetheart at the end of that. 
<laughs> exactly. Like, might as might as well have just thrown in and been like, you know, you don't got to do that sweetheart or sweetie or baby or girl or little thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like any of those little <laughs> epithets, those little things to just like make women feel small, like or le- right. or like worthless or whatever. Yeah, that that the tone of that. You're so right. I didn't even catch that in this. Like it felt very just like demeaning and patronizing. Yeah. It was incredibly patronizing, and it's only because she's a woman. You know, I mean, people still don't realize that those are all subtle ways in which we're told that, like, we can't do our, we're made to second guess ourselves, right? Because, like, those kinds of lines are so common that that, like, just, you don't even think about it and yeah. how that plays into, like, your psyche and how it, how it just kind of sticks in there. Yeah. So, I would love movies where we don't see that eventually because, like, I'm tired of seeing people second-guess women, but, like, people don't even realize that that in itself is, like, a form of control and that in itself is traumatizing and is something that many women need to go to therapy for to unlearn or, like, anyways. So, yeah. So, I would love a world where we don't have to show that. (laughs) Truly. Yeah. Anyways, so um, who is this for, Eric? <laughs> am I going to be silly or am I going to be serious? I can't decide. Oh, my God. What do I do? Okay. Um, do You could do do silly first. So if I'm going to do silly first, this movie is for the panel of judges who awarded Sandra Bullock the Razzie the year she won uh, the Oscar for the Blind Side at the same time. What was the movie she won the Razzie for? Um just for fun, because I think that that's very funny that she won a Razzie the same year she won an Oscar, <laughs> the best and the worst. We love a versatile queen, but more earnestly and seriously, this was a movie for women seems too obvious, but like, yeah, it was a movie for women and for people who are against the patriarchy, who want to see feminism as a more realized and visible reality than it is you know what i mean i'll take it Um, who do you think it was for i think it was definitely for miss rhode island um (laughs) (laughs) um i think you're you're really right in this i know that like usually it's like oh well it's for george clooney whatever i don't know um i think the last one actually was for george clooney i think this one i think this one was for women and i think we're starting to get into this age of film where like women are being allowed to have more stories for them even if there are like some missteps like we talked about throughout this like just having you know every woman watching that movie when at the very beginning like the dude is like yeah but i mean sometimes knowing and she's like yeah whatever fuck off and she like you know walks away everyone was like hell yeah you tell him you tell him you know like this is (laughs) your story right and why do we have that reaction because when we're in that moment it's hard to be that person that's like yeah, whatever, I'm going to go and do this. You know, when people don't believe in you, it's really hard. So seeing seeing people go against that and then also just kind of like own that and, you know, really like this dude that absolutely deserves everything that's coming to him, you know, like seeing him get his comeuppance and seeing like that come from an all-female team. And also like while we talked about this whole movie being hyper-feminized, right? I mean, I think... That's also part of the strength in it is like they did this at the fucking Met Gala and they stole the 
the diamonds while they looked fucking great in these dresses and whatever because like like we talked about beauty is very political beauty is this and you know and i i thought it was really smart how they showed like men controlling this necklace you know something that isn't even wasn't even made for them yeah and it's it's um, like gatekeeping femininity in this way like not allowing women access to feminists yeah yeah so i think Seeing them be able to take that part of femininity back, I think, is really cool. So, yeah, this movie is for women, but I would like to see another film where they are not just stealing jewelry when they're pretty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you like it? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. this. So this is not a, a, a nervous loved it or like a trepidatious loved it. This is a very like I loved it. I thought it was great. I saw it in theaters, thought it was great then. Again, I did think it was a little less great the third watch, um, but that was only because I noticed a couple things. But you made it but to generally, three watches. But I made it to three watches, and I still loved it. I thought it was great. I think it's a great <laughs> movie. What did you think? Did you like it? Oh, my God. I loved this. I laughed so hard. I had so many of those moments where I was just like, fuck, yeah. Like, yeah. get it. And, you know, like, also my <laughs> husband and my roommate were both, like, so fucking here for this and so on board. And I think part of it, too, probably has to do with the fact that, like, you know, we talked about when you have a female reboot of something, the bar is always going to be lower, right? Because, like, yeah. in the same way that whenever there's a remake of anything, you're going to be like, oh, this isn't going to be great unless for some reason it's a Batman movie because everybody's like, you know all up on that but um <laughs> so like that man's a so, cop uh, i know and he works with that man's a cop who keeps rich people rich because he's a rich person i know Ugh, batman's, batman's a, a whole thing batman's a whole thing um but i, I um, know i feel like i feel like people are gonna get so mad that he said that um i, I mean that's not a that's not a unique take guys that's not i heard that i am a mockingbird for uh words anyways i keep interrupting you what were you <laughs> Oh, no, that's what were you okay. going to say? How dare you? Um, no, like, we were all sitting there watching. We're like, okay, like, you know, let's see. But just because it's a remake and whatever. I think the thing people think is that films that are remade with women aren't going to be smart or aren't going to be original. And it's I think that's where these films really shine is in that and in showing how this looks different. Like, when, when done well, right? So we were all sitting on the couch fucking busting up laughing because this is a hilarious movie um yeah and we had such a great time and at the end of it like we were all like this is fucking great this is wonderful like wow this is awesome and uh i want i would totally watch this again i had a great time i think that's it, is that it? you guys yeah we did it thank you for listening we did it we are coming up on our one Nostalgia. year anniversary Oh, one year I anniversary know. of nostalgia. So, so it was this past week is the one year of when we were at Kate's plant party and we talked about like what podcast we're listening to and how we love podcasts. And we're like, we should start a podcast. And it was like, we should start a podcast. Like, what is stopping <laughs> us from doing that? There is nothing like. So, yeah. Happy idea birth anniversary. What? Happy, yeah. yeah, happy, happy. <laughs> I know, and we're coming up on the. It'll be what? What was the mummy? We put out the mummy last October. Oh yeah, it was in October. I want to say it was like the second week or something. So we should do something special for that. I know. How fun would that be? We'll figure uh, it out. We'll figure it out. We'll come up <laughs> with a cool, a cool one year episode. 
And oh, it's been a year. Okay. You have an idea about what we should do for our one year anniversary. Write into us or like hit us up on the um, social media oh. that we never post on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, or personals. We're on personals. I mean, or personals. We're also <laughs> Re- here for that. Reach us. Um, yeah, you can write into us at nostalgiapodcast at gmail.com or find us on the interwebs. Um, if you haven't already, subscribe, tell your friends, rate us, do a thing. That would be awesome. Um, yeah. Thank you so much to Danny Barkley for editing our podcast. And thank you for listening. And thank you, Eric. <laughs> thank you, Jazz. I love doing this podcast. <laughs> Me too. And remember, stay cute. And stay critical. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.